Hello, private equity. Are you a jack of all trades that's becoming a master in some? If so, you're not alone in the European PE scene. We talk sector specialization, healthcare and tech funds, and the sweet science of buyout fundraising. Join us and special guest Janet Brooks in this episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello listeners and welcome. I'm Kenny Wassel and our topic for today is sector specialization in European buyout fundraising. To help us break that down, we have the fund guru, Gareth Morgan. Hi, Gareth. Hello, Kenny. And we also have with us the ever-present Unquote News Editor, Oscar Gein. Hi, Oscar. Hi, Kenny. Good to have you back. Good to be back. As journalists, we hear a lot about sector specialisation. We hear about how important it is to focus on a limited number of sectors for deal sourcing purposes and for value creation. Uh, and of course, how this has meant an increase in its use as a fundraising narrative, particularly in the crowded European mid-market. Oscar, you've been looking into this trend and Gareth has helped you crunch some numbers. Gareth, what's the general picture you've been building up and were you at all surprised by the data? Uh, sure. So to talk through the, the numbers that we were actually crunching, uh, the way that we did that was to extract all buyout and generalist funds in the unquote database that had held a final close since 2005, um, which had at least three portfolio companies in them. We then looked at those companies, counting the number of different sectors um, that they operated in, uh, and then divided that number of sectors by the number of deals, which gave a concentration ratio effectively. So if you'd done five deals across five different sectors, um, that would be a ratio of one, and your fund would be not be concentrated. Um, so the smaller numbers essentially mean that a fund is more concentrated on a certain number of sectors. Um, and the most concentrated funds that we had in our in our sample had a ratio of 0.17. Um, one of those had 12 deals across two sectors, which was Cipex Midcap 2, and then the the two other ones had done six deals in just one sector, uh, which were Alto Capital 3 and Main Capital 3. Um, so what what actually I found surprising about looking at, at this list um, was the number of kind of brand name pan-European mid-market GPs that were appearing at the top of, of the more concentrated list. So say generalist investors. Exactly, yeah. So that, that was kind of my take and why I found this a little bit surprising was that you had names like Equistone, Carlisle, CVC, Triton, Living Bridge, PAI, all in the, the more concentrated uh, funds. Um, and actually, we also looked at how these funds were marketed. Uh, and actually, five of the most... 26 most concentrated were marketed as sector-specific funds. Uh, Oscar, I know you've been talking to the market about this. What, what's been the feedback that you've had from that? Yeah, so slightly different take that I've had from kind of asking around various different uh, sources, kind of LPs, placement agents, some GPs, both generalists and specialists. I think probably what they're most surprised about was kind of the limited influence that we found from the sector-specific funds. So only five out of 25 you know, seems quite low. Some people pointed out to me, for example, look at, just look at healthcare. Uh, sort of six, seven years ago, there were no healthcare funds in Europe. And now we've got, what, GHO, G-Square, Hilda Healthcare, Absit Capital, SHS, Archimed. So obviously there's been an increase there. Maybe that's just a bit of a shift from other sectors. We had maybe more industrials-focused funds before. 
um, which sort of balances that out. So when you look at it overall, uh, the number of single sector funds is, is quite sort of consistent. But actually what they weren't surprised about was what you were surprised about, Gareth, actually, um, in that they said, yes, we know that generalists, especially LPs, have said, we know that, you know, our GPs that are investing across all sectors when they were doing five sectors for fund free in 2012, for fund five in 2016, they've narrowed it down a little bit. And that's partly uh, some of, you know, they've maybe they haven't done so well in healthcare, for example, and they're not investing there at the moment. At this point in the cycle, the opportunities that are currently available, they don't really think it's worth it. Uh, whereas they've had, you know, good success in another sector. So they've re- kind of really concentrated in on that. Okay. And I mean, you're talking there about the, the past track record, but how much of this is actually influenced by the wider sort of macroeconomic picture and where we are in the uh, in that cycle? Uh, presumably, a lot of these funds, I mean, you've spoken about healthcare, you touched on industrials. I know that's another area that there have been some sector-specific funds raised. A lot of these are areas that are perhaps... Uh, less cyclical certainly with healthcare but less so with industrials but is does that enter into the picture it's interesting actually talking about to what extent this is kind of cyclical um, because obviously healthcare and technology over the past few years you know we look at this uh, we look at this Bain study which has said actually healthcare's had on average the best returns over the past few years 2.2 times on average then you've got healthcare 2.1 times, financial services on two times, all the other sectors are below that. So in, in a sense, it's no surprise that we've seen people specialise in these sectors. But will there be a bit of a cyclical effect now? Potentially, yes. Uh, it does look like we're seeing a few more industrial funds sort of coming to market, even having closed in the last couple of years. Um, for example, for this piece, I spoke to uh, Nordic Alpha Partners, which is just looking at industrials, or as they call it, kind of hard tech in the Nordic region. Mm. Um, obviously, the, the guy when I spoke to him, and this is on record, was kind of saying that actually it's quite op- the sex focus is actually quite opportunistic because at the moment you can get a good deal in those sectors, mm. and that was echoed from other kind of more generalist GPs that I spoke to as well. Um, so you you know you can buy a little bit lower, then you can kind of digitalize these businesses. Uh, with you know more kind of operational models and make a good return so you know doing more work on the assets rather than relying on kind of financial engineering fascinating stuff um we're, we're going to pick up on some of these points after after the break uh, but first uh, we're going to go back to monument groups london hq where oscar you actually were discussing this topic with managing director janet brooks uh, we're going to be back with that interview listeners after this Hello listener, I'm here to tell you about Allocate, European Private Equities AGM, hosted by Unquote. This year we'll be returning to the Grove in Hertfordshire from the 19th to the 21st of June. I'll be there, Kenya will be there, and so will more than 100 LPs, the top tier of European GPs and our advisory partners. We'll be talking about all the big themes that will affect the next private equity cycle, catching up with old friends, and maybe even taking part in some outdoor activities, cycling, golf, yoga, and a barbecue. You can find out more at events.unquote.com forward slash allocate. We look forward to seeing you there. Hello, listener. I'm back at Monument Group's London headquarters. This time I'm with Managing Director Janet Brooks. Janet, thanks for having me and welcome to the pod. Thanks very much. So we're here today to talk about sector specialisation and the sort of 
emergence of sector specialist funds in Europe. Now, according to Unquote data, buyout funds on average in Europe seem to be narrowing their focus. Uh, the ratio of sectors to deals has been falling since 2012, and we think part of this is probably attributable to more kind of single sector funds. So, Janet, have you noticed this in your own p- pipeline, and what do you think is kind of driving it? Um, yes, we're definitely seeing more sector focused funds or funds focusing on just one or two sectors than we've ever done previously. Our take on it is that, you know, with asset prices as high as they are and competition so fierce, firms really need to be prepared to make very bold calls um, in terms of which processes they should get involved with, where to deploy deploy both their time and their financial resources. And having in-depth sector knowledge should really improve your chances of getting those calls right. And right now in this high-priced environment with fears of you know, possible downturn all around us, I think LPs too are really buying into this argument more than ever before in Europe. And they're voting with their feet, hence more money is going into those sector specialists. Yeah, that, that's what we've been seeing as well. And um, part of what's maybe driving this is that healthcare and technology, where we've seen the sector where we've seen most of the specialisation, have recorded very good multiples over the past few years. So... I've seen a Bain report that said 2.2 times was the average for healthcare, 2.1 times for technology, two times for financial services, then all of the rest were below that. So to what extent do you think it's just driven by the higher returns in the sector? Um, Sure, there is a definite focus on those sectors which are showing the greatest and strongest overall growth at this time in the cycle. And particularly those sectors such as healthcare and technology where they're seen to have some protection from any impending downturn. You know, healthcare is a big recipient of capital at the moment, really due to the view that it's going to be relatively recession resistant. And technology also, it's really benefited from its sort of disruptive abilities. And again, both of these sectors, people have seen good historic returns in, but can see those driving factors going forward over the next couple of years, hence the continued interest to invest. Yeah, and just as a quick follow up to that, because we were just discussing off air, um, what do you think about, do you, do you think we'll maybe see, is, to what extent do you think it's cyclical, basically? Do you think maybe we'll see kind of more industrials funds, more consumer funds in the next few years? Yeah, I think we do always see these things changing over time. And we do think there's a more generalised move towards sector specialism. So I think if we see any other area of investment where investors in maybe more generalised situations are getting very good returns in a specific area, that we will then see more funds launching into that particular sector or that particular theme. You know, we still think that, you know, areas of financial services, consumer, maybe even industrials, yeah, I mean, all of those, when people can produce great returns, we will see more sector specialism as a result of that. So this, the expertise basically helps them justify paying up for the best businesses. Yeah, it does. Right. And, and what does this sort of improvement look like in practice? To what extent could it be achieved with external consultants? Yeah, I think it's a good question. It's something we've seen quite a lot of movement on in the market as to what is sort of the leading edge here. And I think, you know, it's really having operators on the team who've run similar businesses to those that you're going to be investing in, but also have the skill set to work with rather than against the incumbent management team. You know, most firms will have the operational team involved now from day one doing, you know, upfront due diligence being involved in the company during the 100-day plan and then possibly even longer and possibly in an executive capacity. And I think they'll today bring a much wider range of skills. They'll bring their expertise on, you know, how you focus on your customers, how you look at pricing models in that industry, how you really invigorate and make effective the sales management team. 
the IT that you need, they'll have real expertise in those areas. So it's much more than just the financial reporting side, which used to be what private equity saw as operational. I mean, can you use a consultant to do that? Um, yes, perhaps, but I think the more progressed firms, what they're looking to do is to build a repeatable process of operational improvement so they can have a playbook which they use over and over again, which works in their sector across all of their deals and which both the investment and the operational team have brought into and can execute on seamlessly. I mean, do you want a consultant either coming in and ignoring your playbook um, or equally, do you want him coming in and learning your playbook and then taking it off to your nearest competitor for his next deal? And this also takes longer, right? If you're a sector specialist, you're in there from day one. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you've got the people that you know and that have done a good work, have worked well with you in the past, you know, already within your team. You don't have to go and find the right person for the job. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and just to sort of tie this into the bigger picture, last time I was here, I was talking to Carl about the kind of bifurcation of the fundraising market. Um, so it's, some of these sector funds that we're seeing are like platform extensions from what we described as the kind of big brand names. Uh, Bain Life Sciences is one example. It's not a European example, but just to take one. Um, so is it sometimes just a way for LPs to allocate more capital to the, their favorite managers? Or can it be also used by the kind of smaller managers with a stronger different, you know, to point out their differentiation and get a better, have a better chance of attracting attention? Yeah, I think absolutely the latter. And, you know, if we look at the US where there's been sort of a sector focused fundraising environment for a much longer period of time, there are now some very successful firms who've reached the billion, billions of dollars in their franchises, you know, people like Silver Lake, Vista, TSG. You know, all of those are standalone multi-billion sector funds. And I think we are starting to see this, but it's at a smaller scale in Europe. But I, you know, the issue is, for some of those smaller funds, for some LPs, it's quite difficult to find and then to diligence some of those smaller managers. Um, then harder for them to actually invest in them as well, because maybe there's not the capacity for all investors because they are small and highly sought after. So some investors, you know, they want exposure to these sectors, so they may find it easier to go and access it through their existing managers where they already have deep relationships, don't need to do the same level of diligence. And as long as those teams are you know, high calibre, they're incentivised well, and any conflicts within the firm are handled well, you know, that can be a valid way to access the sector. Clearly for us at Monument Group, you know, we want to see a thriving, smaller, sector-focused and differentiated independent groups because yeah. they're more likely to be the kinds that we're fundraising for. So, sure. But would you make the claim that the, their returns are likely to be superior than the sector teams at the bigger funds or you think it's more case by case? We would like to think the returns are going to be better for the independent groups. Yeah, brilliant. All right, thanks very much for having me, Janet, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Janet Brooks with a rallying cry there for independent fund managers. Gareth, how do you think Janet held out under the uh, ruthless scrutiny of unquote news editor Oscar Gein there? Um, well, I think she raised some really interesting points, actually. And I think really the the key theme for me from, from that interview is really how being sector specific for a GP is now a value add. And that it's really market conditions that are, that are driving that. It's no longer the case, really, that, that you can buy a company cheaply hold it and then sell it for a higher multiple than you bought it 
you're going to need to go in and do something with that business and having having kind of operational expertise in a particular sector means that you can do that much more effectively um, so you know you can you know the levers to pull in in specific businesses that's the transferable thing across the portfolio of, of similar companies um, so really that that's how you go about making your money as a GP now okay because actually some of the sector specialist funds not wishing to sort of name any names here but they still very much play on the point that actually it's our sourcing model being sector specialist means we attend the right conferences we know the right niche subsectors to kind of research right. before the generalists get in um, but actually when you speak to LPs they're not so bothered about it. especially in Europe they kind of think no, we're not, we're not, you know, sector specialization maybe is a value add in, in certain areas, but it's more for the operational expertise and how you can really work an asset. Because, you know, a, a lot of GPs are worried about the possibility of a downturn at the moment. So they're thinking, we still need to make two times money, even if we buy in seven times and have to sell at five times. Uh, so, yeah, I, it was really interesting to hear her echo that sentiment I heard from LPs whilst researching the piece. Okay, right. And how does this, uh, having operating uh, partners involved, uh, how much emphasis must there be on, on on that now? Yeah, I think even the big generalist funds, you know, the kind of CVCs and the Simbans, they will involve operating partners very early in the process now. It's almost at the same time as the deal partners, that it will be also part of the pitch towards management. And obviously having somebody who knows the sector very intimately is always going to impress the management, gives you a better chance of you know, winning and also kind of justifying paying a higher price, which is something that Janet picked up on in the interview, obviously. Okay, right. And obviously, by, by the sounds of every, everything we're hearing, it's that there is this big movement, there's a momentum towards uh, sector specialization. Is there anything to be said in defense of uh, generalist funds? I mean, is there, uh, is there an argument that, you know, you're spreading the risk across, uh, across multiple different sort of... Well, you know, we like to give a balanced argument here at Uncoat obviously um but yes obviously there are downsides you to becoming too specialist um and there are obvious benefits to keeping a more of an open mind having a wider perspective um one of the examples that i pick up on in the piece is by avowed generalist equistone um, and their buyout of sunrise medical which is like a wheelchair manufacturer mobility scooters and that kind of thing um and when i asked around about this deal it it came out that kind of it had more of an engineering angle so even if you know it's a healthcare deal but the experience from doing previously engineering deals was more relevant than the previous experience of Exstone from doing healthcare deals so that's a deal that a healthcare specialist fund probably never would have been able to do but it's been done by a generalist fund and sold it I forget but I think four and a half maybe five times okay is that a general theme that we're seeing that sector spe- specialists are actually able to extract more value when it comes to, to the exit side as well? I think it's probably a bit too early to say. Um, right. Obviously, this is a bit more of a recent phenomenon in Europe. But some of these players will be at the point of making exits now, presumably. Some of the sector specialists, the single sector yeah. funds, yes. you mean? Um, yeah, I mean, sure, they, they've performed very well as well. And it, it's difficult to get kind of data on returns. But when I was speaking to Janet Brooks, she highlighted some research from an Italian university, which has demonstrated that sector specialist funds have performed better. So there are two sides to this argument. And I think it's probably 
there are conflicting data sources, it's probably a bit too early to make a final call on that. Um, so we'll look forward to, to covering it on, on Unquote and uh, seeing who comes out on top. Yeah, I guess we'll have to, to wait and see how it, how it all plays out, as we often seem to conclude on the, on the podcast. Well, I don't have my crystal ball with me today, I'm afraid. Right, well, I'm afraid that is all we have time for this week. We might have time for Oscar's crystal ball on the next episode. Uh, please do take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or, of course, continue listening on Unquote.com. A very big thank you to our two panellists in the studio today. And to you, listener, we'll speak to you next time.